Welcome to Nature Versus Nurture, an insight podcast. He's rattled. This podcast is about the who, what, when, where, and why of nutrition. There are really extremists like that posting online. Humans are a complex organism, and we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of it. Honestly, guys, this is the first time I've ever really talked about it in a public forum. I think Greg has a perfect, like, that OMAD diet. I love you know, it. I was almost to that, um, but with the shakes that um, Lair's made for me, has has helped me, you know, and I, I didn't hardly eat, you know, cause I didn't want it. I just drank water. All right. Time. So what's, what's wrong with that? Like, as long as if, if you come home at the end of the day and like things and studies behind things like the OMAD diet, and we'll, we'll spend a couple minutes on this topic then we'll get into the topic of the evening. <laughs> but, um, the, the studies behind the OMAD diet, intermittent fasting, they're all telling us what the industries were telling, or they're all telling us the opposite of what the industries were telling us for so many right. years. Industries that want to sell us food. Like imagine right. a car dealer saying, dude, you don't need to buy a car every two years. This car is going to last you 20. Exactly. But, but, but they're not because they want you to buy more cars. So imagine knowing that Christ, all, all I need to do is eat once a day. And especially yeah. in the heat and you're moving, the last thing in the world is your body wanting 23% of that blood supply, Rick, going into your digestive system mm-hmm. while you're still trying to maneuver and work around, plus the, the, the thermic value to that, right? Yeah, the right. thermic value to that food is actually going to heat you up when your body's trying so desperately to keep you cool. So, right. at, so actually eating is counterproductive, but coming home at the end of the day, when your body's calm and can receive nutrients, you have it, like we've seen it with workouts, the anabolic window. Right, you're anabolic at night. You're you're done working. The body says, "Okay, we've done our job. Now it's time to get paid." (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the most important part. (laughs) Hey, son. Hey, son. Speaking of hey, yes, I was in Sussex, Cowtown, and all and stuff like that. But, but Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's when I find that's the perfect time to eat for me. It's cool. My body accepts it more. It's just, and I try to like. I don't know. I actually threw out meals in the middle of the day because, you know, it's sitting in a hot truck, even though I have the coolers and the ice packs in there and stuff like that. It's just, I can't eat it. And I'm, I was worried about the amount of um, expenditure that I was doing that I was actually going to dip into my muscle reserve as a, as one of your topics last week. As, as long as you're getting enough food. In evening, right? Yeah. And, and you should be, I mean, we all should be, but the thing is, is at the end of the day, as long as you're getting enough food in the evening, you're good to go. Like at the end of the day, as long as you're right. getting paid and that's all your body before it goes to sleep, as long as it's got enough in its system to recover from the previous day, you're good to go. Like I could pay you three different times, say I paid you a thousand dollars a day and I paid you three different points, four different points during the day. Right. Yeah. Or yep. I gave you all thousand dollars at the end of the night, which would be better for you, right? Either it depends or. your body. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, it, yeah. it depends, right? If if I give you three payments during the day and then give you the fourth one at night, but the fourth one at night is actually an easier one for you to get in, and because that's when you've got time to go to the bank and do the deposit and all that other stuff. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. the three previous payments, you're walking around with money in your pocket all day, and you know you could be weighing you down. It could be weighing you down, right? Yeah. But, but now with the OMAD diet, do you have to put 2,000 calories in one meal, Greg? Hell yeah. You, you should try, but yeah. it's – Yeah. I'll put it this way. I've been doing it for a while now, and it's getting a lot easier for me to do that. <laughs> do you mean oh, I'm just like, goodness. give me the food? Like when I, it's- even, that, even when I can accept a meal, like in the evening, 
not 2000 cows, man. Dude, like, look, look, look at it like exercise, Rick. I mean, you, you know, with you and your lunges and things like that, you couldn't do that when you started. But the thing is the body adapts, the body's right. an adaptive mechanism. If it wants the 2000 calories and it wants the 185 grams of, of protein and the 225 grams of carbohydrates or blah, 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 then right. it will, it will adapt in order to get that. So if it knows in the evening, that's when I have access to this good nutritious food, then I'm going to shape myself around that. And that's what the body does. It's in our heads. We get it in our heads. It's all in your head, Brandon. I can totally, like, like snacking. And that's the same thing too. vilified too. Yeah. Just because like throughout the day, if you, I find I get hungry like 1, 2 p.m. And it's like, I don't want a meal. I'm the same way. Like I don't want a huge meal because I know come 3 p.m. I'm going to crash. Right. So yeah. I can like yeah. snack on some almonds or like fruit or something. Then that's going to carry me over as opposed to like, okay, I'm going to have a proper meal here at lunch. But like you say, a full salad is disgusting. Come <laughs> that's hour. a that's lot of breakdown. Yeah. Well, even when I started with Neil with Sim- uh, Simply for Life, it was like, how in the heck am I gonna get through three three oh, cups yeah, of yeah, right. salad and four four? I remember that protein at noon, and yeah. then do the same thing at night with six ounces or whatever. And it was like, you know, but to try to do that in one meal and then I can't eat. I was really worried for a while, but it's all about adjustment, you know, kind of thing with this job and the heat, you know. And I, I'm telling you, water intake. You know, I'm a big believer in water you know, thirsty Thursdays and stuff like that. Mm. And it's like, I was drinking three, three liters to four liters, but it was still wasn't enough in that heat. Yeah. And right. I felt like shit. And, but as soon as I, I, I got this big eight, four liter um, jug, drank half it. I felt so good, you know, kind of thing. And that was when it was like 34 degrees in the human right. kind of thing. And it's true, it, you know, and you have to up it. So I decided to get some pink Himalayan salt and Ooh, stuff. Yeah, you know, you didn't hear this, but you know, what's another good thing is a little small bag of Lay's potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> salt content. Not right. because I like Lay's. That's because you, lick them. Got, you like, lick them and throw them out, right? Right. You just, yeah, lick them yeah. and throw them out. right. just for the salt content. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's like, but you know, supplement. And, and even the, even the techs warned me, they said, you know, eat a bag of chips, Rick, you know, kind of thing. Cause you need your salt cause you're going to sweat the crap and, and There's stop. other ways to get salt. You know, you know, <laughs> Rick. Listen to the lawn care text for your nutritional advice. <laughs> right. Rick, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I should Something's wrong it. with that one. Yeah, just keep, just keep it about spraying and, and, and fertilizing and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Rick, you know what's something I help you? Uh, I know a good buddy of mine, Matt, did a lot of look into it is the 20 and four. So basically gives you a four hour window to get your meal in. So start, so it's almost like OMAD. So you go your day, if you don't want to eat through your day and then from say five to what? Nine. nine? Yeah. yeah. You get your 2000 calories in that window. That way if it's I not all. Nine, that is. That's if I get home by nine, you know, okay, or, or nine to <laughs> I got to try to eat that 2000 calories maybe in an hour. Cause I get home eight thirty nine and, then back getting up six o'clock in the next oh, morning geez. and try to throw that 2000. Yeah. That it's, it's crazy. Some of those days are like that for me. You have a creature that's <laughs> stopping you behind this. At 53, I shouldn't be doing this. I had a business. Did you see that thing behind Rick? Animals. I think it was going to kill him. Or Schmeagle, yeah. like Schmeagle there for a second. Schmeagle, my precious. You had something crawl behind you, Rick. What was that? Oh my god! Hey, <laughs> oh, there I is your cat. He was mad and really bad. <laughs> hey, Misty, you look like Schmeagel. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> All right, so let's get to the topic at hand. Um, 
And, you know, again, what I, I like the nutritional run with it. And we'll get Rick back on the show because Rick's got a lot of background in this. He's, he's one of these up and comers. He's taking his uh, nutritional certification through, what is it, Rick? The uh, yeah, Precision Nutrition. Precision Nutrition. Nice. But Rick, Rick, Rick's really, like, he's one of these guys, like, when I sat in the office with him doing the one-on-ones, he's like a sponge. And he's so, um, he's so pushed for self uh, improvement. But, but I think as you can probably gather and the people that are going to hear this podcast or watch the video versions of it and stuff, you're going to gather that Rick is also a zero to 60 guy. He's, he's all or nothing and tends to be hard on himself, which describes about 99.58% of everybody within our community and probably everybody that's going to join this community. So again, and I, it leads to like a lot of these coping mechanisms that we abuse, one of them being physical activity, the other one being uh, uh, food, and one of the other ones that seems to be culturally acceptable until it gets to a point where it makes everybody else uncomfortable is alcohol, okay? All right, so it's an inevitable talk that Ben and I have had with clients through Simply for Life, and it's, it, it's inevitable within the community as well. It's like the poop talk. It's going to happen at some point, right? Um, so is alcohol detrimental to our health? Okay. You guys know my standpoint, Rick, you're right on board with this as well. It's everything in moderation. But the thing is, is we have certain, you know, predispositions in all of us that make that moderation impossible, hmm. which means we have to remove it from our lives and add something else in there to take its place. We can't have that vacancy. There are things that we cannot introduce because of certain biological factors, right? Um, and you know how you metabolize it. And I see this with food, and I'll be brief, and then we'll, we'll run the gambit here. But I see it with people who desperately need certain foods, like people that have a propensity for carbohydrates. Neil, I need my carbs. I love my carbs. Nine, almost 100%. They are not metabolizing the carbs properly. That's what creates that addictive mechanism is when the body doesn't fully recognize or understand the ramifications of that. Okay. Um, when you introduce a, an alcohol to an Aboriginal population, they don't metabolize it the same way as people who have been drinking alcohol for thousands and thousands of years. And because their bodies don't recognize and metabolize it the same way as someone who's got a strong, say, Eastern European, uh, European descendancy, their body has the high probability of becoming addicted to it. Like it's just, it's, it just doesn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I see that with a lot of foods. Like that's one of the first things that I look for when I do the, the insight nutrition uh, profile is I try to look for foods that these people are gravitating towards what their favorite foods are. Is it high sugar? Is it high salt? Is it this or that? Cause those, are, those could be indications to addictions and that the body's actually not metabolizing it. So that can really sway me as to how I'm going to make this meal plan. Is it going to be you know, a lower carbohydrate or maybe like a paleo or keto to try and clean that system out and get that addiction dealt with. Cool. Very cool. So yep. alcohol guys, give me uh, let's run the gambit here. Let's get your opinions on this stuff. I feel like a lot of it's culture based and especially from our side, because we're like, don't quote me in this and I'm not an expert, but like France and whatnot, don't like, they kind of introduce it a little at a younger age. They have glasses of wine with their kids at like, and they, it's a, you know, they base it around, 
here, have a little bit, have a little bit of that. But here it's like, oh, you can't have any of that. You can't have any of that. You can't have any of that until you're 19. You got to get a certain number. And then like, for me, I'll be, for example, when I hit 19, it was like, you know, the buckets off, the lids off. Let's go. Right. You mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know, I don't want to say courage and give alcohol to kids, but maybe no. if it was like introduced a little bit at a better, at a better way that no, you can't have, you can't have it. Oh, try this. You know, like, I don't know. To me, I feel like that's a plays a part of it anyway. Yeah. Well, Holland, Holland, for an example, I think the legal um, drinking limit is 14 or 16 years old. Really? There's no alcoholism. Yeah. There's no alcoholism. You can drink it in the streets. Hmm. Um and that's the biggest thing but you don't see the alcoholism like you do in north america a lot of a, Strange, a lot right? of it yeah it, it, it's it's the behavior it's a lot of it is is the ideology and 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 the the culture that's around it like yeah. here we binge drink we wait until we're 19 and then you know happy hours sudden, happy hours right. like we're promoting it but um, and we're watching our parents consume it and we're learning from our parents behaviors whereas a lot of these other cultures they it's just the parents don't make a big deal out of it. It's just part of their culture. So it's, it's like in uh, Amsterdam and certain places like that where they've legalized uh, drugs, their drug crime rate and addiction has gone way down because yeah. of the fact that they just, they don't make it like I see it with, and, and Rick and, and Ben and Greg, you can attest to this too, is when you are made to feel guilty about the food that you're eating, you binge eat, binge. I mean, right? So I shouldn't be drinking. Drinking is bad. It's against the law. And, Another big thing too, guys, is when you look at these other cultures and you look at how they've set up their cities and a lot of the alcohol consumption is during the day. And a lot of these people don't drive. They walk everywhere. So it's a bike okay. or something. It's or like, a bike. So it's okay yeah. to have a drink here and there. And, you know, I bet you if any one of them blew, they blow over the, you know, the legal alcohol. Oh, limit. Right, right. Yeah. But the thing is, is that they've conditioned themselves to manage it a little better. It's socially acceptable and they do it every day. So the novelty wears off. They're mm -hmm. not working like cats and dogs. They've got four day work weeks. They're more balanced psychologically with their family. They're better nutritionally balanced. So they're not chomping at the bit for the weekend to roll around so they can get shit canned on Friday and forget about their entire pissy work week and then right. only do it over again. Right. Well, I think that to um, culturally where we live and here in the West, like Canada and the United States specifically in late stage capitalism, not to get like, I don't necessarily want to go there, but, but like things like Amazon, Amazon wouldn't exist if we didn't have addictions to shopping McDonald's and fast food restaurants wouldn't exist if we didn't have addictions to those types of food. So it's just, I think culturally that we've really fallen into this rut of in the Americas specifically, we have a lot America. Of, yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of addictions, and like uh, you brought up uh, in other countries and other cultures, not only is it legal um, at a younger age, but it's also a higher quality. It's more focused around an event as opposed to drinking being the event. Right Where here, drinking becomes the event. And I remember um, one of my ex girlfriends went to Italy for six months, and she was just appalled that they drank wine at every meal. And we're just like, hmm. they, they have, they, but they go to the market and they also get fresh fruits and vegetables and they cook every single night. So they have a completely yeah. different way of life there. Right. And, and to get into the nutritional end of stuff is I have a lot of people that come in and see me and Rick and I've talked about this where people come in and they say, well, Neil, 
um, Europeans drink and why are they healthy? So if I drink, then I should be healthy, right? And, and we, we adopt like this, this westernized version of the Mediterranean diet, which is like westernized Chinese food. You go to China and ask for a chicken ball, you're going to get punched in the face. Yeah. Um, here, like we're downing a big greasy plate of pasta and meatballs and drinking a, you know, a 26 ounce glass of wine and thinking that we're, you know, following the Mediterranean diet. But see what people don't understand is they're healthy and they drink alcohol, right? They don't drink alcohol to become healthy. Like they, they've gotten their health together. It's like, it's like being healthy and exercising. People get results when they exercise, when they're healthy and exercise, people can manage alcohol. Like. Um, because they're healthier and they, they, they moderate it so much better. They drink it over the period of the day and plus guys, and this is the most important part. They don't have a life that they're trying to escape from. We have created these lives where I hate my job. I hate the work week. Monday sucks. Friday, I'm ready to roll. So we're trying to live 104 days out of you a 365. Your, we, everybody oh. hates their job. Well, that's this, where I got into my is issue is I escape with the, with the drinking. You know, I escape with the drinking. And the people use it to escape, yeah. A, a life that they don't like. Like, you know, and, and if, if you're okay, um, and, and you and I have been through this. Like, I've had issues with alcohol when I was going through my separation. I used it to try and manage the pain that I was going through. And it led to some unfortunate circumstances. And, and that's the thing, that's an unhealthy application of alcohol. Um, you know, and, and I, the same goes for, for you as well, Rick, right? And, and that's the thing is, and then what happens is we get sunken into that hole and we use it as, as escapism. People use food. I feel good when I eat instead of feeling good after you eat. So they use food to feel good. When I was drunk, I didn't care. It's right. I was a different person. I was living a different life. Right. But the thing is, is that's only a small part of it, right? I had the other 20 hours of the day that I needed to deal with real life. And after consuming alcohol, I didn't have that fuel or energy to be able to deal with the other 20 hours. And it yeah. just compiled on top of me and on top of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, and the thing with me is, um, well, with COVID, there's no concerts anymore, but I can be, I can attest to the thousands of dollars that I spent on like concerts with Tom Petty, U2, many concerts since the eighties. Can I remember one track of a concert? No, I can't. And those are supposed to be times that I'm going to enjoy myself. Yeah. But I was shit face drunk every single time yeah. you know, kind of thing for the concerts, but I'd love to be able to go to a concert and just be that sober person but of course now with covid 2021 is the next time you can go to a probably live concert you know kind of thing but i had so i haven't had that experience and of course neil you know um with my drinking you know i've stopped you know i'm still battling like i'm always you always will alcoholic. always you yeah. know it's it's it, you know it uh, like I, I battle it then i think about it i think about the next time i'm able to have it but you know living sober and learning how to enjoy life that's as as hard as it is to work out at times and whatnot that's just important is to yeah yeah and, sober and learn how to enjoy everything i want to be able to go to a concert and just be there sober and remember every song and live in the moment you know? so you're, funny you're oh go ahead greg i would say it's funny you say that rick too he's like i feel like there's like you said learn how to do it i feel like there's a there's a part in 
like I don't maybe maybe for my example too in, in like western the western side of the world is it's not really being t- like your parents or like the cu- the culture isn't teaching you how to use it like for me for example no. like everything bad I've ever done was alcohol related right yeah and like my parents never kind of like showed me how to do it properly I had to figure it on my own so of course you get black or drunk you know you you just you're oh it's it's illegal so you're not supposed to be doing it so it makes it like more fun so it's Exciting. like absolutely yeah so I never you ne- we're never really shown like hey don't drink that much you know your parents never said me like here here's a beer you're like yeah. control yourself take it easy being a social sh- like they didn't taught me the ways to do it I had to kind of stumble my way through and I think a lot of my friends the same we'd all oh it's a good shit face you mean like let's go do yeah. it let's do this and like how to find our own way without kind of having a mentor more or less, you mean like, what are you doing? You're like, whoa, slow down there. I mean, like, you know, you, you don't know what you're doing, right? Like, yeah. it's kind of like, a, I feel like I, I, for me, especially I kind of missed that like part of my life and probably all my friends as well too. Like maybe that's what some of these other countries are doing is, and with that social scene and dinner scene is they're kind of showing their family and their, and their, and their, and the young ones like, okay guys, this isn't something to, you know, let loose and go oh, get your own bottle kind of yeah. thing. You mean like, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, have a glass here, have a glass there, sit, relax, chill. This is what it's supposed to be. Not, go out and get goonered and happy hour and you know fall down drunk and stuff like that it's just like come on you like that's to me that's why i feel missing you're nailing it it. like cultures cultures with food like cultures that don't like there's there's a direct parallel between abuse of anything whether it's alcohol narcotics or food and where we're dropping the ball is like in cultures like that they don't have the science they have the 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 lifestyle like they learn from their parents. They watch their parents be socially responsible, productive individuals and consume. Whereas here, we grow up with people getting shit-faced on the weekend. And, you know, there, there is like, and I'll get into the science of it in, in just a little bit, but there, a lot of it is behavior. And this is why like alcohol and food, why we need to, as parents, Greg, myself, you know, uh, 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 Ben's not yet <laughs> and Rick <laughs> that he knows of and Rick. Yeah. yeah. That he knows of and Rick, like we need to lead by example. So managing your right. nutrition, managing your alcohol, um, those types of things like this is, this is what we need to teach. Cause those, those countries, those, uh, um, those cultures, they're not broken. So we're broken. We need to get fixed. So we need a little bit more effort on our end. We need a little bit more accountability. And the group, believe it or not, I worked with a lot of alcoholics through Simply for Life on one-on-one, right? Yes. And there's, there's, a, there's a saying, success leaves clues. So this whole community and the transparency and the check-ins every week and let everybody know what you're doing. Let everybody know that you fell when you fell. Don't just report when everything's sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. That goes back to, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Yeah. Only here you're not anonymous. Here you're a person, you're a real person, and you're connecting to other people that are having similar issues to you. One of my most successful clients is a 25-year recovered alcoholic. He sticks to the plan. He I comes in, he, right? He comes in to see me. He was a client of mine after he became sober. He'd been sober for about 10 years and then found that he went from one addiction to the other. Now he was addicted to food. So he came in, he lost about a hundred pounds with me. And he said, Neil, and he's one of my very first, it was before we had members for life. He was my very first. And I said, you know what? I'm going to keep you. And even when I wasn't with SFL, when I was out my own, I would still meet him like a sponsor would for AA. And for the last 15 years, guys, he's been checking in with me once a month. 
That's awesome. Right? And see, awesome. th this is what people need to really fully understand and wrap their heads around is the fact that you'd never stop. And that's why we price pointed this the way it is. This is a small, tiny, it's two uh, tall Starbucks coffees, or sorry, one tall Starbucks coffee every other day to be a part of a community that supports you. It right? might even be like, just one tall Starbucks coffee. I get Lara to, to grab me a cup of one, coffee. Lara, one, can you? Starbucks. I mean, just one, one a month. You got the story. I'm trying to get Starbucks to sponsor us here. Actually, you. What is yeah. really cool actually is being able to like just cat. I don't go on Facebook or on social media a lot, but what I do see is I notice consistency within the community. So when Rick doesn't post for a while or Matt doesn't post for a while or Maurice is or whomever I notice it's like, Oh, is, is something going on? Do I need to message them? Do we need to reach out see what's going on? And um, I, I tend to or try to. And I think that is happening even inherently within the community that others are like, hey, what's you haven't posted in a while or you haven't commented on anything. I haven't seen you around. I know you're still there, but what's going on? And being able to have that kind of community and being able to have that accountability is incredible. Yeah. Well, that's why I kind of thought break on, break on Thursdays. And I think that's important because of course you got the, um, the week week check-in at the end of the week kind of thing. But I thought it was kind of like hump day, middle of the week, and just to keep the accountability to the week instead of that end check-in every right. week. And well, I, 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 had, uh, I just moved that actually this week to, uh, to Friday. So Friday is kind of the pat on the back day before you send in your weekly thing. But that's, but again, like you led that charge. It was because of that that I felt like, you know what, we needed to create some structure. It was Ben's idea. But it was really good. It was based on, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that Thursday. So we just added some structure. But this is it. We're evolving around the needs of our clients. And yeah. it's the, so it's almost like a, a democracy in its truest sense. We listen to what you guys need. And then we yeah. create a way of, you know, structuring that so that the information that, th that these three guys have and then Joel and even more people like Joe and people that we're bringing in the community, eventually you this is what we're going to be able to give to more people that are coming up behind us. Right. That's the whole yeah. idea of it is we're, we're here to plant a tree. Right. And knowing that we may not sit under its shade, but our, the, the, the idea is, is to make it better for the people coming behind us, yeah. our children, yeah. for example. So if we can teach them responsible use of alcohol, the benefits, and now I, I do want to get into the benefits of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, you um, know what, and, and now that you mentioned that about children, I got to just chime in about the alcohol drinking. Uh, my grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was an abusive alcoholic. And, and of course, I'm an alcoholic. I always will be, you know, recovering. And it's like, but I broke the circle. I actually nice. broke the circle. My, <clears throat> I see the way my boys are now and the way I was then. I'm not worried about them at all. That's you huge. Know, so I'm hoping yeah. I'm actually leading by example and stuff like that. Thomas, I was a little worried, but, you know, He's pretty responsible, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And I'm yeah. loving it, you know, kind of thing. And there's like a crazy statistic out there. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's like, I mentioned it before, Neil. I think it's like, if you're, if you don't, if you as a parent don't drink, your kids are like 80% likely not to drink. It's like a ridiculously high number. I can't find yeah. you, you Google it. You can find it, but it's, it's a very high stat. And it's like, but it's like flipped. If you drink, you're like, it's very likely for your kids to drink too. It's like crazy. It's like, they're yes, like, yeah. A monkey see monkey do though right like it's yeah. it makes oh, sense dad, right dad like i mean like dad yeah. does it and even like it's maybe like 
it's almost even subconscious even like because yeah you don't even it, know like you, is, get, you really get a craving for a drink but you don't and you're like why do i but because you saw all your through life your pit your parents drinking like you didn't it's just there right like, it is it's it's conditioning greg and we we talked last week um i think or no you you weren't on the show last week but it was um the male's influence in terms of habits within the family has a much higher reach or much stronger impact than the female. So them seeing a dad drink and things like that, that, that escalates. Like they've, they've done the studies with food. When dad changes his diet, the family takes notice because men are so nonchalant. We don't give a shit about much, eat whatever's in front of us. Right. Um, And then, but when we actually take notice to something and we become driven by it, then, Others take notice because, wow, here's this, you know, lump on a log actually waking up and giving you shit about something. There might be something to it. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's the impact that you can have on your family. Obesity is the same way. Yes, there is a genetic predisposition based on how many fat cells you were born with. But the thing is, is whether or not you turn those bad boys on or pack them full of shit is largely determined by the behaviors right? And what, in the food that you have available, like you watch these television shows, 600 pound life, someone's feeding these people, they can't mm-hmm. get up out of bed. So who's feeding them? Yeah. You know what right. I mean? And, yeah. and how did they get like, anyway, we can go on and on it's and on about that. Over genetics, I think, you know, the, well, it's, it's, the nurture, called, the nurture yeah. over the nature. <laughs> our, our show's called nature versus nurture, right? The God or mother nature, whatever you want to call it, will give you a certain hand and how we play that hand is based on, you know, that's the, the, that's the nurture part, right? The environment and what the cards everybody else is holding has no sway over whether or not you're going to win. It's how you play your cards. So, you know, life gives you the cards and or nature gives you the cards and then life nurture is going to uh, determine how you play those cards and whether or not you come out winning or, you know, at least playing a decent game at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but alcohol is a big factor, okay? It's one of these things, guys, that totally debilitates weight loss, all right? So when you drink, you're not going to lose weight. Um, I did a competition in 2000, uh, what was it, 2007, one of my, my second one. And I remember um, some people came in from out of town. I hadn't seen for a while. I was about a week and a half away from the show. I was feeling in pretty good shape. And anyway, I had a couple of vodkas. And then the couple of vodkas led to another couple of vodkas. And I went to bed and I woke up this morning, uh, the, the, this morning. <laughs> Oops. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Neil has been asleep for years. <laughs> I woke up, it was a lot of vodka, okay? I slept for a couple of years. Um, so I, I woke up the next morning and man, I was, I was shredded. I was dry. You could see veins in my poop for crying out loud. Like I was so ripped. Is that and a good thing? What's that? Yeah, it was amazing. I felt great. Like I didn't feel great. I felt hungover. For, for competition, but, it is because you want to. Yeah, be for competition. Less but it was like a week away. So I had like so. Anyway, long story short, um, I, I ate my meals that day and I drank my water and went to the gym. And by the end of the day, I was cut like a bag of milk. I couldn't see a muscle. I couldn't see anything. I was totally. Yeah, I was totally smoothed over. I love That's it. my favorite saying. <laughs> Bag of milk. I love it. Bag of milk. Um, so what it did was it was the water retention. I dehydrated myself, <clears throat> a lot of inflammation. But the issue with alcohol is that you can't metabolize body fat and consume alcohol. It's just it's it's biochemically impossible. The liver is focused on 
um, the liver is focused on breaking down the body fat, but the liver is a one trick pony. Once you introduce alcohol, it will prioritize the alcohol and it'll metabolize the alcohol. Then the, then the alcohol turns into like an acetate and an acetate. And like, there's, there's other forms of it, but acetate's the one that jumps into my mind. Now your body is hell bent on breaking that down and getting it out, getting it out of the body. Cause it's, it's dangerous. Hmm. It's, it's toxic. So you're looking at maybe a two or three day process here. So in those two or three days, your body can't metabolize alcohol. And that's been shown even with just one ounce, like they did studies and this was in ketosis. They did a study where um, they put people into ketosis because it's a measurable form of body fat. So that way you know that they're burning fat and they gave them vodka and they gave one person uh, or one group um, one ounce of vodka over three nights. And then they give the other group three ounces of vodka over one night. And the, the, the effects were almost identical, hmm. right? So it took the body almost three days, 72 hours to metabolize the three ounces. And it took 24 hours each ounce to metabolize and break down and remove. So they didn't get back into ketosis for three, for 72 hours. So regardless having, of diet regardless of diet wow. they were all wow. in ketogenic diets and they all consumed their like it was a short-term study so they were able to create this controlled uh environment hmm. they put them all into ketosis they gave them all the same amount of alcohol they were all eating the same diets they were all you know the carbs and, and ratios and all were exact and uh they they fell out of ketosis and took them uh 72 hours to get back into it again so when you're looking wow. at you know week by week you're cutting your week down from seven days to maybe three or four mm. days where you're actually able to burn fat. And that's mm. in ketosis. I, that's not even a study because I can't, you can't, um, chart, yeah, other way. yeah, it's hard to chart a study when you're in, you know, not in ketosis. And isn't ketosis like a, like an optimal fat burning state yeah. anyway? Like, I, like so I tried it. I tried yeah. it probably for about a week and I actually, um, I ended up getting gout, um, but it, not oh, laying yeah. ketosis, but it no, was, it wasn't um, ketosis, Rick. It was, it was, it was number one, like you, you did it on your own. Number two is yeah. that you just started a brand new job where you're walking your ass off and you're dehydrated 99.9% yeah. .9 of the time. It was dehydration. So again, yeah. You got to be careful what you're saying, especially in some, in a place like this, because people are always looking for excuses to blame their diets and <laughs> yeah. not themselves or the lunacy in which they apply this shit half the time right yeah. so Sorry, that's but, yeah, no no but that's what insight is for if you're going to do stuff like that if i'm going to fix my tv i'm not going to stand in a bucket of water and do it and not read a book and then blame the you know the tv for doing right. it right it's the best way to do it though man isn't it <laughs> what did the i'm going to talk to a professional to right yeah, I understand. that's <laughs> you know and it, I, I don't know about you guys but like Drinking alcohol also goes well, like much in hand with me overeating whatever yeah. is in front of me. Yeah. Pizza, <laughs> pizza, you know, McDonald's, all that stuff. It's just ah, you know, you just you you don't care anymore, right? So yeah. that's another now, thing. So with alcohol too. There's a like with nutrition and health and everything um, for deep health. It also comes with the mental aspect of it. Um, I've battled anxiety, social anxiety, and there's a big correlation with the drinking, the heavy drinking with social anxiety. Big time. But it actually made it worse for me because um, the more I drank, I found that I basically had alcohol-induced anxiety, which made it worse. So it's, hmm. it, it was a vicious circle with me right. and stuff like that. But, you know, you give up alcohol, 
the anxiety went and I was able to socialize after. So it was, it was weird, but I had to find that and I had to find out. So it's, it's not just for nutrition and what you, what you lose, but it's the deep health portion of it. Mental part of it. Yeah. And I quit drinking anxiety. And then I just had to learn on myself how to socialize properly. And, 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 and I'm telling you right now, it's, it's, it, it was a vicious circle for me. You know, well, yeah. look at you, you now on a podcast, dude. Like that's huge, right? Yeah, well, like, I, I was nervous about coming on today, to be honest with you. You know, oh my goodness, it, it, like, he, and I'm glad you did it ten minutes before. It's like, I didn't give you the chance. <laughs> I know you, buddy. Like, the chance to worry about it. Friday, it's like, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I, I've been in Sussex all week, and I went incommunicado, like I said on uh, Insight before I left. You know, oh, I'm not back yet. Sorry, guys. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and this is huge for me. You know, tonight. You know, and. Rick, you, you hit it right in the head though, too. Like, you know, Matt, like Neil, you know, Matt, wow. Like one of the most social guys going, but he yeah. gets alcohol in him and he gets the same as you. He gets the social anxiety. Like you wouldn't think, cause he's like one of the most social guys going, but it'll hit him. He'll get like the panic attack. He, and like he, he, he can't, that's why he doesn't drink much himself. Cause he gets the same way. He's just yeah. gets them all worked up and social anxiety and whatnot. You, but Neil, you, you see it with oh go ahead buddy sorry well so weren't we going to talk about the benefits yeah, of it? what happened the there yeah we yeah started. and we're going how how far how far along are we guys lack of, no sorry guys we'll end on the positive note of the benefits of alcohol all right there we go okay none so painfully untrue there, uh, there are benefits, guys. I mean, you know, when you read these scientific studies and the data that's pulled from human physiology and biochemistry and stuff like that, you see that there are benefits the same way as there's benefits to water. There's benefits to anything in moderation, but anything you have to be careful. Like we talk about this with the food and it's kind of the overtone of insight is there's no such thing as an unhealthy food because food is nutritious or not. How we use it determines its health. It's the same with alcohol. Alcohol has no nutritional value, but it has a ton of sociological and psychological benefit, right? Where, you know, um, it, a lot of it is the environment in which you drink it in. And I'm going to refer back to a study that was performed in, I think it was 2016, where they put a gentleman in a room and they fed him this nutritiously dense meal and they yelled at him and they had horrible images on the screen and loud music and strobing lights and all this stuff. And then they brought him back 24 hours later and they put him in a room and it was you know, beautiful images. People spoke nicely to him, soft music, ambient lighting, nice floral smells, same meal, same guy, same time of the day. When they extrapolated the results from the blood work taken, they found that the body perceived the food during the the aggressive, you know, flight or fight response. The food was inflammatory, mm. and the the food was very well received. So a lot of it, guys, is the alcohol. The studies that are being performed regarding to the benefits of alcohol, believe it or not, are done in are more the social social environments that the alcohol is consumed in okay there are some blood pressure lowering cleansing effects in terms of the diuretic value we're getting into more of let's see again what ben had alluded to earlier when you go to italy you drink you know wine that was made in that village in that region when you go there you also consume the olive oil that was grown there you eat the fish that was cat you know caught at the 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 local harbor Right. Um, so it's not been mass produced and bastardized by, you know, huge industry. 
it's the same with now we've got this craft beer movement going on and this craft beer is far and above beyond what the swill that we're you know chugging down in a Coors Light um, so a little bit goes a long way. You have people now that are, uh, what are they? Sommeliers, like people that go in and, oh, I love the taste of this beer. And it's not about getting hammered. It's about actually talking about, man, have you tried this beer? And socializing, you know, socializing. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're seeing people, they get that social, social glow on mm -hmm. their, their, their demeanor changes and it's not an escape, it's kind of a massage. It's kind of a, they just lower their guard a little bit, have some meaningful conversation, talk about things that they normally wouldn't talk about in the, in the run of a, you know, in the run of a day. Um, companies are, are hugely hurt by this mm -hmm. because it was back in the day when we had people that would go into careers. And this is something that we talk about in Insight at Work is, you know, some of the, uh, when when they would go out drinking, uh, you know, on a Friday. So after the work week is over, you get colleagues going out and they'd have a few drinks. Then they go home to their families and eat supper. And it was a very balanced thing. They wouldn't stay out till two o'clock in the morning, get mm -hmm. shit faced. Right. They go and meet with their colleagues after work at these speakeasies and things like that. They do a lot of deals and they'd make, you know, progress. Like there was right. a lot of communication going on. And you know, Greg, if you and I work together. And you were really stressed, say you were going through some problems with a marriage or something like that, and it was affecting your work. And I knew that the stress was building up. Hey, let's go for this. beer. Yeah, let's yeah. go for beer, and we'll talk about it. And then that's the big thing. Now you're having these, these um, the 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 rates of suicide going up in the work environment, office office environment, and people are whispering around saying, "Well, I knew it was going on. Like I I could totally. It doesn't surprise me. Why the fuck didn't you do anything about it?" Seriously. And a lot of people is because companies aren't allowing that to happen. The social stigma associated with that plus the people that are noticing it, they don't have the energy or the time to do it because again, it's all about, you know, putting in as many hours and, and, you know, living this insane life that you want to escape from on the weekend and you don't want to talk about work or see anybody from work. So anyway, the, yeah, right. That's the dangerous part. Like I, I went to, uh, Grand Lake this weekend, Matt and I'm on the head. Yeah, of the yeah, I saw the pictures. Man, Beautiful, awesome. Like yeah. I, I didn't get drunk, but I had you know a beer or two out in the kayak and just enjoyed it. Like I and we talked and laughed. You know, had some food. Like that was fun. Like I didn't, I would, I wouldn't ever want to trade that ever again for you know going to happy hour and just getting goonered yeah. and like because I take all the fun away from it. Like if you mean like I just and I wake up feel like shit. Like it's just I like the social good conversation like you said laughs you know it's that's to me where we gotta try to fit alcohol back into our society is you know get rid of the happy hours get rid of these things and 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 do what you talked about yeah. go meet a co-worker who's down you know go out to a ball game have a beer or something like that when we can when COVID's over you, but, you, you know, can do that when you're healthier greg that's the right. thing like you're oh just secretary you're you're healthier and rick's right. healthier and that's the really it, it, it's the baseline guys like Health doesn't prevent these issues from taking place, but it gives you the, the wherewithal to be able to deal with them, right? And you guys have often heard me say, life gives you the reason to be healthy, but nutrition, exercise gives you the tools to, 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 to make that happen. But the yeah. tools without a reason is it, useless. It'd be like, again, Rick walking around you know, with his lawn care supplies, but no lawn or no right? No, nothing to use it on. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing because you're healthier, Greg, you're more present. And when you're out there, 
you're, you're feeling okay. You know, you, you want to be present. You don't want to escape that moment. Imagine drinking to the point of blackout or even just distortion or making it miserable for everybody else. Right. Couldn't go in the kayak or, you know, like, or being a fool around the dinner table. Like, yeah, it's, it's not fun. That's not fun to me anymore. And like, it's right. And that's a healthy perspective, which means that you are now a healthier person and a healthier person again, there's only so much space that this other stuff can exist. Like I noticed Ben's having a beer while he's doing this podcast. Right. (laughs) Right? And that's, and that's the beautiful part about, you know, being able to drink responsibly is using it to kind of, you know, um, relax. Yeah. Just not amplify because you don't need anything to amplify the moment, but we do need things in this very loud environment to be able to slow it down and breathe. And that's something that I found was driven that I, that I really wanted when I was going through my issues, you know, um, with, with separation and things like that, which a lot of us go through. That's a perfectly normal stage of life. And, um, I was using it because I thought the alcohol was the key to me being present, but it wasn't, it was just a tool. And this is it like these radical diets and these extreme exercises and this extreme behavior is we're mistaking the finger for the moon. It's not the diets that are doing it. It's the state of mind. It's, it's the, the, the accomplishment that we feel. Mm -hmm. So how can we stretch that out over a long period of time, like forever until we stop breathing. And the trick is, is we find a pace that we can keep and we don't burn bridges and we don't burn ourselves out. Alcohol overconsumption burns you out. It prevents you from losing weight. It throws off your blood glucose. It damages your liver, which affects your pancreas. You end up binge eating. You end up spiraling down. Like there's nothing good about the abuse of anything, but you've got big hitters like alcohol, right? And alcohol is just one of these things that we need to keep an eye on a lot more. Are there benefits to it? Not to the alcohol itself, but to the atmosphere in which we may consume. And if you're consuming alcohol not to escape, then you're good, right? If you're using exercise not to manage your stress, which to me is the biggest bullshit answer that anybody could ever give me. Yeah. Oh, I use exercise to manage stress. Well, no, you're not. You use exercise to avoid your stress because you're not managing it. It's like turning your car volume up, your, your radio in your car because you don't want to hear the knocking in the engine, right? right? managing shit is managing it. It's standing face to face, looking at square in the eyes and say, okay, how are we going to coexist here? It's got right. nothing to do with me saying, shh, shh, don't say anything. Shut up. Don't, or, I don't want yeah, to know you there. Right? I'm going to go lift heavy weights for a while to forget about it for a minute or two. Yeah, exactly. Not, avoid it. Yeah. It's, your body's it's almost clean up the mess. That's a good way to point it. Cause you're, I mean, obviously it's not as bad as drinking your misery away or drinking your stress away, but it? it's, it's right there though, right? Like if you're still avoiding it, you're still not taking care of it, right? You're still masking it with something else. Yeah. Never think of it that way. And the body's you know, still going to beat down. Right. Cause they always say, you know, it's good for stress, but if, if you're not coping with it, then it's not good for it. Right? It makes total sense. Yeah. Never, never thought of it that avoidance. way. Right? It is avoidance. Yeah. And eventually it builds up and like you do become stronger, but the thing is, it's just like, the, you're still in the crosshairs and it just right. takes a bigger gauge to take you down, but it's still, you're still in the crosshairs, dude. Mm-hmm. You haven't done anything about it. You know, you still have heart disease, you still have diabetes, you still have all this stuff. You just get bigger and stronger and you buy yourself a little bit more time, but it, 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 it hits you. 
It does. There's, there's something to be said about the, um, just to back it up to the benefits of alcohol, I guess, in that <laughs> the microbiological or any fermented food, I guess, with, given my background, I've had bachelor's in biology and like any, you think of kombucha or I per- personally like ciders. Sauerkraut. Yeah, sauerkraut or yeah. anything fermented that is not mass produced. So anything that gets mass produced will be rid of or pasteurized, be rid of all these microbiologicals. <laughs> so what's nice to have is that craft beer that has the mother in the bottom or have that um, cider that has that sort of yeasty flavor that adds extra to it. So it's going to give you a little bit of a probiotic, but it's also going to give you other things that you're not going to get in other in other types of food or things that have been pasteurized or overcooked and it's like if you're getting a burger at a high class restaurant you're getting a great burger that will actually be good for you but if you're getting a burger at not to knock mcdonald's or any fast food restaurant that stuff has been that stuff has been overproduced and over pasteurized and it's just been bashed to the point of that's not food anymore but you can have a burger and it not be bad for you. And you can have a beer and it not necessarily be bad for you. If you have a light beer, then you're drinking nothing. But if you have a craft beer that actually has some of that yeast, some of that mother in it, then you're having some of that proper, and that's what's nice about seeing us sort of culturally shifting sort of the hipster stuff moving on to the more artisanal things is because there is, there's a a reason we're doing is because there is quality there. And there is more than just, oh, this is kind of a cool thing to go back to. Well, really, it's going back to something raw and something real. Right. When we were healthy and, and you know, things like plagues killed us, not, you know, heart disease, diabetes and depression. We got the plague. We, we, yeah, right. We, yeah, we, we fought to stay alive. Um, yeah. I mean, those are those are really good points. Like the fact that the body recognizes it a little bit more like apples, for example, you know, you eat a ton of apples, the body craps itself because it doesn't want to absorb anymore because there's a, what's called the symbiotic evolution. Um, it's the same, the more recognizable and the less processed, the more natural something is, the more your body knows its, its levels of tolerance. It knows when enough is enough. Like a, and you know, I'll go way back in years when I started, um, I, I, uh, stout beer, you know, I'd have one of those and everybody'd say, Oh, it's like a meal. I go and I drink and I bring a couple of stout beer and I couldn't drink more than two or three in a night. It'd be like, it'd sit on me. Whereas, you know, I go with a Coors light or something like that and you just slam them back. So there's, there's that biological recognition as well with these craft beers and things. And again, like you just can't, you simply just can't consume as much. And the body learns from hangovers and things like this. So eventually, like a lot of people do find that they, they work their way into drinking less, more quality as opposed to quantity. Yeah. And the same goes for food. You know, you refine the shit out of a food, you can eat it and the body doesn't even know what danger it's in because it doesn't recognize it, right? And um, it's like a kid eating, eating medicine off the counter. Like the child doesn't know, so it doesn't know how much of it it can take it's the same with us we're childlike in a lot of these refined foods that have only come out over the last you know 75 years the body doesn't know its tolerance level yet so we have a tendency to overconsume those things whereas natural foods the body's less apt it's got its own mechanisms it knows and it will protect itself against it so the probability of overconsumption is you know even with alcohol it's slightly decreased but still any you know any edge is a good edge you too can be an insight member For less than $40 a month, you can have a personalized meal plan, access to our app, and our private Facebook group, as well as other perks and prizes. For more information, go to insighthf.com.